You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Carter comes up shooting. Welcome to 95 to Infinity Podcast, formerly Toronto Basketball Matters. I am your temporary fill-in host, Greg Urishatis, here with my usual suspect. Is that the right branding, <laughs> Hagioka term? Uh, Christian Wolfgang Graffin. Graff, how are you today? Good. I, I like how you even put in my full name there, just like Brandon Wood. We're, we're, we're missing him. He's our, he's our usual host. Yeah, we're without our fearless leader. Uh, he's out with, <laughs> with 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 some uh, health complications, and I mean th- it's significant. It's significant not just because it's it's a health concern, and and you know we we obviously you know love him and and want to see him do well, and he's going to be fine. He's going to recover, but it's also significant because out of the one hundred plus episodes now that we've done, you know I've missed some, you've missed some. Mm-hmm, Brandon, mm-hmm. Brandon hasn't missed one. He's that constant. It's like it's like we're Jakob Pertl and Dejounte Murray going out there without Popovich. You know what I mean? Like, what 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 are we supposed to do? Just we just we just do we play basketball? Like, I don't know. I am not ready to compare Brandon to the great great Greg Popovich. But Sorry, it's like we're LeBron and AD, and we're missing Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that's a little better. No, <laughs> yeah, look, it, it. You're right. It's the consistency that he brings, and. You know, we just we wish Brandon all the best, and I'm sure he'll be he'll be with us in our next next rendition. Um, look, I want to start us off like we always do, talking about the raps. You know, th- th- right now they're sitting at, tw- and the date is February second. It's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Dad! No, um, birthday. Yeah, we're sitting at twenty six and twenty three, six and four in our last ten. Coming off two massive wins against the Miami Heat, I'm pretty sure there was a Hawks victory without a Trey Young slipped in there. But I want to I want to talk about those Heat games. Uh, you know, uh, are these signature wins for you? And what's standing out right now with this team? I mean, honestly, that triple overtime victory against the Heat on Sunday. Yeah, that was probably as I recall, probably the best regular season game I can think of. I mean, it had that playoff atmosphere. Um, I think we all know it went to triple overtime. The Raps ended up winning, of course. Um, But the story that really came out of it was how many minutes our starters played, right? Like that was the the biggest Mm -hmm. takeaway. Um, I 
personally don't really see a big deal with it right now. Um, look, that they look amazing out there, specifically in those games on defense. Siakam and OG are just absolute lockdown defenders right now. I think they are playing some of the best basketball in both of their careers. Yep. Um, and the same could be said for Gary Trent Jr. I mean, look, the story of the first half of the year was, was Fred Van Vliet, his comparisons, and, you know, are we going to be a play-in team? And we're, we're sitting five and a half games back as we record this right now, which is not – it's not that significant. Um, I know we've won three in a row. The Raptors, the way they're playing, though, look like they can take on any team in the league. Yeah. Um, looks like in any sort of playoff seven-game series, you could throw any team at us, and I would not be scared in the least. Um, and again, we're not just beating – like the Atlanta game is one exception, right? But both Miami games, the triple overtime game was a very much so a playoff atmosphere. We had to stop Jimmy Butler. We had to stop Tyler Hero in those last-minute shots, and we, we came through in the clutch. And then the second game against them, which happened yesterday, was pretty much both teams coming off a of back-to-back Miami losing pretty badly and them coming out determined essentially not to lose. They had a 15 point lead in that game yesterday and the Raptors just, they just stick in there, man. They, they, they hang around. So for me, the yeah. biggest takeaways are, yeah, they, they were, they were playoff level basketball games that made me feel confident in this team moving forward into the postseason, and also would drive them to be more buyers than sellers for this trade deadline. Yeah. And look, so, you covered a lot there. I'll first say I agree with you. I was, you know, trying to think about a better regular season game than that. And I, I couldn't. I couldn't. You know, I'm sure that there's one of our basketball nerd listeners is going to be, you know, right now on on online looking this up. But I, personally, I, I can't recall a game like that. Um, you talked about, you know, loving their defensive energy, right? Now, the team, although... They're third in steals, right? We're third in steals. We obviously have this switchable front line. We're 15th in defensive rating. Okay? And when you look into that, why that is, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're last in defensive rebounds, right? Like, the, it doesn't count as a stop unless you close out with a rebound. And this, to me is a real concern with the group and you know i'm 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 wondering if you can continue to have this kind of imbalance right where on the one hand you've got such great on ball defenders but on the other hand there's no um you know even just a body in there that that intimidates people to get inside right uh they don't we don't have that and the question is like okay in modern basketball do you need it but again, in the case of the rebounding, you know, the best defensive rebounding teams in the league are like Golden State, Phoenix, I forget the third one. There's Milwaukee, I think they're strong teams. Um, you talked about the trade deadline. Is there someone that you think can fill this hole? It's interesting. I mean, okay, so yes, I do think there is a lack of defensive rebounding. However, we we kind of knew that, right, with the, with the roster constructed. We don't you're right. We don't have that typical Jonas Valanciunas board eating sort of big. However, we're leading the league or top of the league, I should say, in offensive rebounds. That's the flip side. Yep. It's all effort. It's all effort. And you see it from someone like Precious, who 
sure, he might not be the most skilled player, but he goes out there and gives that 100% effort. Scotty Barnes, 100% effort. He's crashing the boards every time. Even OG is yeah. crashing the boards every time. So I think we can make up for it. And for me personally, I had this debate about what should we really go after at the trade deadline? Is it a big or is it someone who can score off the bench? Or is it someone who would, you know, put someone like Gary Trent or Barnes back to the sixth man role so that they can kind of slot into our starting lineup? I don't, I, I still think a big man like Jakob Pertl for me personally would be perfect just simply because of the way that Fred Van Vliet operates. He's such a great pick and roll player. And you look at sort of a pick and roll assist player or someone who has the most screen assists and someone like Pertle, yeah. they're they're top of the league, right? So I do think that there is some benefit there. Plus, we have a kind of, in my sense, a free trade asset in both Flynn and Goran Dragic. Seemingly, other teams want Dragic, right? Like that's the report. I, I don't understand why. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I think it's been beneficial that we haven't played him. I'll say he's well that rested. Much. Yeah, he's well rested. That's for sure. But look, yeah. people in their minds yeah. are thinking 2020 play, 2020 playoffs, right? 2021 playoffs. That's the last time they saw him play, really. And yeah. he averaged 20 points a game. So they're just in their minds thinking, if we can get him back to that, well, shit, we might have something. We might get a steal from the Raptors, even though Masai has never lost a trade in his life. Wow. So. He's I don't know. I think I would still look big, man. But uh, uh, there is a there is an argument that could be made for like a Spencer Dinwiddie, for example, as a guard that could either be a sixth man or can slot. Into, it depends on you know on how you work. But clearly, something has to happen for the playoffs. We can't keep playing fifty minutes a night every single night just to get wins. Yeah, and you know, to to your point, uh, if you look at the numbers, our bench plays the least minutes in in the league. Um. I agree with all you said there. Something you mentioned that I want to pick up on, that a player you mentioned that I wanted to pick up on, Gary Trent Jr., uh, mm-hmm. five, five straight games, 30-plus points, five threes. He tied a record that, that DeMar has. Um, he's, he's on an elite list of players in the league that have accomplished that feat. What is this guy's ceiling? Because when we first signed him, I did think it was a he was a good upside pickup. I've been so impressed with his defense and just his competitive tenacity, right? Uh, but you know, is what is his ceiling? Is this guy is he a potential future all star? I think so. I mean, shit. The, the first half of the season, like you said, it seems like he was working on that lockdown defense, sort of providing that, proving that he can do that. Cause I guess, you know, he's been sort of known as the offensive spark plug for Portland, but he locked people down at the beginning of the year. And now he's kind of showing if you need scoring, I mean, pretty much put it this way. Anytime Gary Trent Jr. is now in an ISO situation, I'm almost assuming it's a bucket. That's, that's how well he's been playing. He can, Look, I know that you specifically, Greg, have always touted the Raptors getting a shot creator. Someone who can create their own shot. Is there anybody better in the last five games than Gary Trent Jr. doing that? That's, you know, his age, his price tag in the league? I really don't think there is. And and that's what's what's been so incredible, I think, about it, right? Is that you look at what uh, Portland is, 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 is paying Norman Powell and you know, no disrespect to Powell, but I think Trent's had a better season and he's younger and you're paying him less. 
And you got to give it up to Masai Jiri. Looking back now to the life uh, of this Grievous Vasquez trade, right? Mm-hmm. You know, for Norman Powell, the flipping pile for Trent. And it makes me think now, you know the, what? The, hold on, hold on. Don't forget OG Ananobi was included in that trade too. Oh, we got him as well. Right, yeah. And, but I mean, it makes me think too, like, could you flip a player now like like Gary Trent Jr. with, you know, a draft pick and, or another asset and get a guy like Bradley Beal? I'm just, that's his, his value has just increased so much. And it's not that I don't want to see him on the Raptors, but it's, it's been impressive to watch. It's been a very pleasant surprise. That's for sure. I tweeted this out from our account. So I tweeted out on your behalf too, Greg. So sorry for doing this, but I, I basically said, take Gary Trent Jr. Out of any trade mock trade right now. I, I don't want to see it. He's too young. And the Raptors, in my opinion, are still figuring themselves out. Like this core has not been together long. They really haven't. It's been half a season, essentially. Um, you mean you wouldn't what- trade him to the Lakers for, for Hale and Halen Horton Tucker and a 2027 or 2028 first round pick. I don't know what the fuck the Lakers are going to get for that, but no, I wouldn't let's go more real, like not even realistic. I should say, let's just go fantasy world and go the Bradley Beal route. Honestly, no. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sure. There's upside there, but way more money. Yeah. Yeah. And and your original question is, is what was his, what's his ceiling? Right. And, And if he can play, at this level and figure it out. I mean, again, not 33 points per game or he's going to be the next Michael Jordan, but even if he can consistently score, consistently defend, consistently hit the three at that level too, then for his age, honestly, yeah, it's a three-year $54 million deal, right? Great value. And, 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 and you know what else? There's a special story with this guy with his dad and being on the Raptors. You really feel like his heart is in it. Right. He, this is like, I think he felt like, you know, this, this is where he's supposed to be and he's playing like it. And, you know, we love guys like that who, who embrace the city. Right. A hundred percent. And he got that. He's, you know, he's got the fashion stuff. He fits in. Like you heard the Fred Van Vliet interview the other day. Basically he said he embodies everything, right. That, that, that you want in a, in a teammate and in a player. So look, if teammates love him, seemingly Nick nurse obviously loves him. Um, if anything, he's really put the Raptors on the map these last few games. Sure, the winning streak and beating them in triple overtime, in Miami that is, but it's been Gary Trent's 33 points per game over yeah. the last five games. It's catching the it's catching the ESPN headlines, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just now transitioning, a game that I believe was on ESPN last night, and I want to use this game as kind of a, a pivot point here to talk about a team in the Eastern and the Western Conference that we both wanted to dissect a bit who are really to my mind polar opposite however still both considered championship content and this is the brooklyn nets and the phoenix sun they played last night phoenix won they were pretty much the whole time despite some decent efforts by irving and harden now the going kind of idea right now uh i mean let's start with brooklyn right 29 and 21 they have now dropped to sixth in the east they've lost five in a row this is probably the strangest contending team graph i i I have ever seen okay but between covid and injuries um and just 
it's basically James Harden and Kyrie Irving and a mix between a G League team and a bunch of old guys that should be playing in like you know Ice Cube's three on the big three, right? <laughs> this is what the team looks like. And in the middle of this, you've got poor Steve Nash who can't say anything out of turn to the media about anything because he doesn't want to you know get on the wrong side of any one of his players. Um, you know, it is the can can a team like this, right? And I know they're going to get Kevin Durant back. And I know that talent, you know, you need talent to win, right? Uh, can can we realistically expect a team with this much internal turmoil to compete and win at the highest level? I think so. I mean, it reminds me a lot of Cle- the Cleveland Cavaliers when they were dominating the Eastern Conference or even the Miami Heat back in the day when they just didn't really have to try in the regular season. They knew they're going to make. They knew they're going to be a playoff team essentially, and as soon as they get there, they can kind of kick it into next gear. And again, like Harden, Kyrie, and Durant have been around the block. They've been in the league for enough time now, where they know themselves. They know they can just flip that switch, so to speak. And they have. Look, right now, I feel like they're trying to find those tertiary pieces, and they're trying to find the compliments for Harden and Irving. And I'll even throw Patty Mills in there because he is obviously a. You know, he's a pretty big part of them, too. He's been good. Mills has been yeah. good. But look, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, they kind of go back and forth having great games, honestly. Um, sometimes Blake can look unstoppable. Sometimes LaMarcus can look unstoppable. It's crazy how they can exploit the mismatch. And again, they're getting much more one-on-ones. Blake has actually learned how to shoot a three. Um, but then it's the other people, too, on their team, like the Kessler Edwards of the world, the Dayron Sharps and the Nick Claxtons and the Bruce Brown Juniors. Like These are players where they're trying to really figure out who's going to make those playoff rotations right now, in my opinion. And I think they have enough pieces. I think, look, they're they're arguably deeper than the Raptors. I, I, I dare I say it? I mean, the Raptors obviously. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, advantage. they're way more talented. I mean, okay, the question isn't necessarily the pieces that they have. It's how all these pieces in the end are going to fit together. When I watch, I mean, y- you couldn't have two play like last night when they're playing Phoenix. You couldn't have two players who seem more uninterested in, you know, sacrificing for the team than watching Kyrie Irving and James Harden. And that's nothing against their elite skill level. Okay. I don't put Durant in that category because when I watch Durant play, he's, he seems to be playing for something more. Okay. And you mentioned the heat. Right. The thing with the Heat is like they all wanted to be together and they they had enough games to to, you know, you talked about turning it off and on. You got to develop consistency to 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 know when and how to do that. Um, I just I don't buy it that in the later rounds of the playoffs. Right. Especially, you know, missing guys like Joe Harris. You know, you, you don't know if, if Blake and, and, oh, and, and Aldridge are going to be there. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kyrie's playing half the friggin' games. I don't know if if there's enough. What's the word? Integrity in the team to whether, you know, a Giannis and the Bucks onslaught in Milwaukee. Like, or, you know, I I just it would be a first. It would be a first. 
See, look, I I think you have to go back to that game against Chicago. And it was early January. I think it was yeah, you know, first first half of January. I don't know the exact date, but they were playing the Bulls. And it was like the first game in a long time that they actually had Kyrie, Harden, and Durant all playing in a game. And they still well, they've only played, I think, like nine or ten games together since they've all been signed to this team. And they put up 138 points against the Bulls. They won 138 to 112. And I think they, the Bulls were at full strength as well. And the Bulls they, were. They didn't they, have they, Caruso. They didn't have Caruso. But, I mean, they oh, had their oh. big stars. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Okay, good. I thought you were going to say that's like a big knock again. Look, he's been great. I'm not going to knock Caruso. Or he was but, great. But yeah. they still had – they had Colby White back. Right, like they they, yeah. they were fine. They had Lonzo, they had Giro, they had Levine, yeah, and, and they like, got smoked. But Harden, in Chicago, but is Chicago like I put Chicago below Miami? I put Chicago uh, Chicago below uh, Milwaukee, um, and maybe even right now Philly. To be honest, like I again against the elite teams in the playoffs, and you're not going to have Kyrie for all those games. But look, Kyrie scored nine points in that game. That's it. He only scored nine points, and they scored 138 as a team. Mm. You know, someone like Daron Sharp can come out and get 20. Patty Mills can get 20. Between DeAndre Bembry, Blake Griffin, uh, James Johnson, you know what I mean? Like, you can go down the – you can kind of go down the list. And you're right. Kyrie won't be there for a good chunk as of right now. But first of all, who knows what the rules are going to change? Like, clearly, as you can tell by this – bullshit trucker convoy people are very upset about the rules and in the u.s they really don't have rules essentially so it's almost like a matter of time before you know i think people are kind of wondering like what why why does new york still have this so look i i I agree right right now he wouldn't play in half i still still think that that's without Kyrie or with Kyrie playing in half the games that Milwaukee or Miami are the only two teams. And they're the two you mentioned that, that would really, really, really scare them as a team. And that's because of the way they play, that's because they're very defensive and they have people that can actually guard Durant and Harden, but you can't guard all three yeah. of them. No team has enough to guard all three. Yeah. Um, and, and they're yeah, all superstars. And, and to your point, you know, from what I understand, actually, it's not that, the three of them, like, sorry, it's not that Kyrie can't play, it's that he'll be fined. And the fine is quite small. It's like five grand or something. Um, you know, and they, the issue I think with Brooklyn is that they'd be worried about the politics involved in that. Well, I th- see, that's the thing is I thought that, for example, when they faced the Warriors the other day, I thought Golden State or California, I should say, had the strict mandate about you know him not playing, and it was it was a game time decision. But in the end of the day, Kyrie did play that game, right? He played against Phoenix last night. Um, it's really just the home games that that's the issue right now. And then the Raptors, right? We all know that if he came to Canada, he wouldn't be able to play here. That's just that's a fact, um, as is right now at least. But even the fact that we're questioning that, like if he would play in Toronto, if we made the playoffs and face them in the first round, like I still think there's a 50-50 chance that rules change before May or April, mid-April, yeah, May, in which they might allow him to actually play. And now would fans get upset about that? Like they can't, right? Like this is the team that they have constructed and Kyrie is a baller right now. Like, trust me, I don't trust any of his opinions. I I don't agree with a lot of what he says off the court but the guy can play basketball. And if we had to face this team with Kyrie there on us in set in a seven game series, 
then shit. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That's probably the team I fear the most, more than oh, yeah, Milwaukee, he's a more than Miami. Yeah, I mean, so and this is, I mean, obviously, you know, time will tell. I think a healthy Kevin Durant um, as a leader will solve a lot of these things. There's just something strange to me about watching Kyrie and Harden lead a team. Um, okay, I want to talk about the other team uh, involved in that game last night, the one who really should be headlining things right now, and that is the scorching hot Phoenix Suns. Winners of their last 11. They have a record of 41-9. and um, <laughs> their, their 11-game winning streak is the second best winning streak this year in the NBA. And that's second best to their first win streak that I believe was 16 or 17 games, something like that. They're the only team in the league, top three in offensive rating, top three in defensive rating. They probably have uh, the best leadership core uh, mixed with young talent in the league. Right. Um, and not just, I mean, not young, young, like unproven young, you know, guys that are really blossoming right now, right? Third, fourth year uh, pseudo star players. My question to you are because, and I frame it this way because at the start of the year, Phoenix wasn't in the top, probably five in people's mind in, in contenders. Right. But you look at, you look at them now. Mm. Well, I'm just, you know, I remember there, you know, I used to watch, you know, (laughs) you know, I like to watch my gossip NBA gossip shows, right? And I remember they were interviewing uh, Matt Barnes, okay? And I like Matt Barnes, okay? I'm all about the smoke, okay? And <laughs> he, he, his opinion was that Phoenix, uh, they basically were like the Miami Heat of the year before, he said, that it was just because of strange circumstances and he doesn't see them competing in the West, uh, you know, and in part, I think, you know, because of the Clippers and where they were at and you had a Denver team that was on the rise and all, you know, he had decent reasons. But the bottom line is here, Phoenix is the class of the NBA. OK, are they the clear title favorites? I mean, other than the Raptors? No, I'm joking. Um, (laughs) Honestly, whenever you mention Phoenix, like immediately my mind goes to the game where we played them in early January and we only lost by four points without having Barnes or Gary Trent Jr. So, you know, I I have some biases. I'll say it like that. Uh Um, uh Not to mention a lot of the teams on this 11-game win streak have been pretty ass. Like, you know, again, don't want to take too much away from them. But the way that Chris Paul specifically, and again, Devin Booker last night, against the Nets looked like he could score whenever he wanted to essentially. Um, but I think, no, they, the one thing we always harped them about was that they didn't have a point guard before Chris Paul got there. Right. Like that was the one thing they needed and blah, 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 blah. Chris Paul has been everything you can imagine there. I think just because of him alone on that team and the leadership that he brings and the poise specifically that he will bring in the playoffs and the fact that they were there last year, like they have that confidence now in that core with the, with Aiton, with with Mikel Bridges, they truly believe that they are the best team. And I think confidence in the NBA can take you very very far. I, I truly think it does. It's a game of confidence essentially. And yeah, look, man, like 
it's, it's, it's not just the offensive end because they create points so easily, specifically with the pick and roll. And then again, they have so many three-point shooters that they can just – Chris Paul can do whatever he wants out there. He can either go down low, he can take an easy two, or he can kick it out to Cam Johnson, let's just say. But it's their defensive tenacity as well that really, really, really impresses me. And I think Monty Williams has to be, in my opinion, coach of the year. Like coach I, of the year. It, there's no debate, right? Like, I mean, Spolster, mm-hmm. sure. but Maybe Taylor Jenkins. Maybe. You're right. Okay. Maybe Taylor Jenkins, but man, Monty, I mean, I've been a fan of him for a long time and what he's specifically done with their defense has just been outstanding. And he's, he's utilizing it in a way that, yeah, maybe if they did face someone like the Brooklyn Nets, that they actually might have enough pieces to stop them. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't want to get too high on the Suns because I, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like your boy there. I'm kind of Barnes. Yeah, man. I'm kind of, I am I understand where he's coming from. Um, what, but what is it then? So what is it? Because it's not like I was coming out, um, and I'm a basketball junkie, right? It's it's not like I was coming out to start this year and saying, I, I thought Phoenix was going to be good. I thought they were going to be in the mix in the West, but you know, I I didn't come out it and and see them as you know the the team that was going to do what they've done here, right? Um, what is it about them then that makes us think that they aren't that team? See, I, I, Do you for me, yeah, for me, yeah. I think it would be probably the uncertainty at center. And I know that they've had great, you know, JaVale McGee, Bismack Biombo, they've came back and done really well, but I don't trust Aiton. I guess it comes down to that. Um, you saw what Giannis did to him last year. That's the first thing. And then also like the whole contract situation where he didn't get it and stuff like that. I, I, so going into the year, you you didn't think the team mojo was going to be right. True. And again, Chris Paul, he's the stabilizer of all state. Like he can keep any team on the right path. I mean, shit, he brought OKC single-handedly into the playoffs. Love it. Before, right. Love like it. that. How crazy is that compared to what they look like now? But man, I, I don't, I, okay. It has to be their big men. Like, that's what it has to be for me. Their wings and their guards are all great. Here's what it is for me. What I, okay. You know, they don't have that top five wing scorer that championship teams of the last, you know, 10 years. I mean, even going back, you know, into the 90s, right, with Jordan, um, sometimes or traditionally have, right? So you think about, LeBron, you think about um, Kevin Durant, think about Kawhi Leonard. Um, And I think this, the question, like, how much do you really, because Chris Paul's going to, he's going to run that offense. He's, 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 he's going to keep everything calm. He's going to set the table for dudes. But, you know, at the end of the day, he, like a player like Fred Van Vliet, is limited size wise, can't always get his shot off when he needs to. So to me, the question is, and you talked about you talked about him already, Booker. How good can Devin Booker be in clutch moments in the playoffs? See, I don't have any issue with that. I think Booker's clutch. I think he's got ice in his veins. The dude yeah, can hit so, game winners. And if we think that then, right, if we put him then, because I think he's probably gotten ignored. Like, you know, it has like that effect because that backcourt has been so good together that neither one of them has gotten the appropriate right love, right? Um but it's like, th- 
I feel as if that that's going to be what takes them over the edge is, is that Booker has to be that killer in the playoffs for them. Yeah, no, I, I mean, he's going to have to be their, their one. A. I, I agree with that because, but look, when, when they're facing, let's just say you're facing Milwaukee or even let's just say you're facing the heat. If Jimmy Butler is guarding Booker, that you're right. That Jimmy Butler can take him out of the game, right? Well, he's well. I mean, that's a good that's a good matchup. Like that's probably I think about players that would bother Booker. That's his um, Butler probably more than other players would. But right? that's the only knock I think I have on Booker is that sure maybe 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 he outscores Jimmy sure, but like on the offensive end he could he could actually still score. But defensively though. Jimmy would eat him alive, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think Booker is there defensively yet. Chris Paul's a great defender, um, but they have very good defenders other than kind other than kind of Booker, who's he's averaging a steal a game, sure. But uh, I mean, you're right. I think he's going to have to turn it up. Don't forget, we just saw Milwaukee win with Chris Middleton going off and being their sort of one B. Well, right? No, yeah, but but even so, and again, you brought this up the defensive part, right? All those players I mentioned, even LeBron and even KD, okay, but especially Leonard and I should have mentioned Giannis, okay, who's kind of like a big uh, wing hybrid, okay. They can all impact the game on both sides of the court. They can make yeah. like the these um, geometrically, yeah. right? Like like plays plays that that defy the normal parameters of like athletics right like like the Giannis uh you know the Giannis block on the alley-oop the LeBron chase down block right you know we saw it in Toronto the the numerous Kawhi Leonard plays were like how did he get there right on both sides where they can will a team to victory right and Phoenix as good as they are as a collective as a team as a culture do they have a player like that that can truly elevate them in the greatest moments we're we're gonna find out. I mean, I'm not even convinced yet that they're gonna get past Golden State, uh, assuming that Draymond Green is healthy. And so, my last question then to you is: Does Phoenix should Phoenix make a trade? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Should they? Should they you, you've got a guy like Cam Johnson on your bench, young guy, lots of upside. I'm sure there's some teams out there that wouldn't mind, you know, giving up say a Jeremy Grant for a young talent like that? I, I couldn't. I truly couldn't. I, I couldn't make a move um, unless you were fleecing another team in the sense that you were based, not fleecing another team, I should say. Um, the best way to say it is unless you're basically trading with a team who doesn't care about this year. Yeah. Right? And, they're, and they're looking towards the future. That's the only way in my mind they would trade anyone um, because there's just the chemistry here is great. And specifically with Cam Johnson, Man, that guy is the three-point shooting young, you know, yeah. sort of wing prodigy that when you put him beside Mikhail Bridges out there, damn, that's a lot that's that's tough to beat on both ends of the floor, right? It's hard to it's hard for for teams to really be able to stop all five positions and he brings that level. I is he a win now? Is he a like win Jeremy Grant? Well, okay, I, you know, I use that just because, you know, Grant's name has been floated around. But, I mean, if you were to look out to improve your team, if you're Phoenix, what could you do? I don't know if they can do anything. I think they just kind of have to stick to what they're doing. 
same. I, I agree with it. I think they have to stick with what they're doing. They have to run it back. They have to see how far they can go. And look, if, if, if they are able, let's just say, to get out of the West, right, and they lose again in the finals, well, then, you know, maybe it's worth like a little shakeup. Like a tweet, if they lose yeah. in the first or second round, then sure, you, you kind of look to sort of change everything. Because at the end of this For year... a win-now move, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think... I mean, if anything, it would be a small piece. It would be adding someone that they could come in off their bench and sort of relieve Chris Paul, I think, if anything. Um, the move they did earlier this year that I liked the most was Bismack Biombo. They signed him to the 10-day, <laughs> you know, three times. And then basically they signed him to their roster so no other team could get him because they know that down low, Aiton yeah. and JaVale McGee, I mean, JaVale McGee's been playing outstanding right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's playing above his his level, usually. He's playing above his ceiling. But come playoff time, they're a little bit older and Aiton's a little bit unproven. But do, do they have sort of that guy? And I think that that was a good move. So I think, if anything, it's going to be small things like that. I don't think they can like do anything. Around the major. margins. Just tweaking yeah, around the margins. They can't do anything major. Yeah. Not when they've won this many games. Like, there's no way. It's also criminal that not one of them is a starter for the All Star game. Like, that, that, that well, that's. And, and look, so speaking of things that are criminal, I got one more question about Phoenix quickly, and then we'll move on. Is Chris Paul an MVP candidate? Yes. Uh, without question, he's an MVP candidate. And it's, it's for the, the reason I said before, this team was running Devin Booker as the point guard before Chris Paul got there. We have to remember that. Alfred Payton was also running the – they had an issue at point, and they, they didn't have a true point guard. Chris Paul, when he left OKC – turn that franchise from you know having a future to going back to the draft board and getting josh giddy like they they completely completely changed the same not the same thing obviously would happen to phoenix but they would go back to what they were before without chris paul without him i I truly believe they'd be like an eighth or seventh seed without him they they can't rely on booker to just do all this they have no one to actually facilitate i think right now if you look at their team second in assist is devin booker and that's basically yeah. because teams are doubling them, right? Yeah. Like that's the only reason why. They have nobody else that can pass it. I think he is by far um, their best player and their most important player, I should say. But do I think he's actually the MVP of the league? No. I, I think Embiid and Jokic specifically are just... Are more valuable to their, to their team. Yeah, but, they're running but, away with but, it. But you've got... A, because right, it's the old adage, like, you know, it's the Carl Malone... MVP uh, argument too, like best player on the best team or most important player on the best team, right? And he's leading the league in assists, but I don't know if you could have an MVP uh, averaging under 15 uh, points a game. Love Chris Paul. Love that he went plant-based. Guy was a salary dump two years ago. Fuck you, James Harden. Okay. Yeah, we were, we were talking about that, that his contract is unmovable, right? Yeah, I, I mean, you, I just love the story, um, right? As you, as you mentioned, the whole going to OKC, not demanding yeah. a trade out of there, just taking care of his body, coming back and doing this in Phoenix. I love it. Um, our, last, our last segment here, I, I got a gripe. I got a gripe for you, and maybe you could help me sort through this. I want to talk, talk about Philly. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I want to talk about Philly. Um, right now, they're 31 and 19. Their win is a five straight. Um, Joel Embiid is playing the best basketball of his career. You talked about MVPs. He's arguably the, right now the best player on, on, on the planet. Him and, him and Jokic are in that conversation. He's certainly probably the most dominant player on the planet. 
Um, the expectation, however, is that, and this is according to NBA insiders, uh, you know, you can listen to Brian Lindhorst, Zach Lowe, etc. The expectation is that Philly will not make a move at the deadline and that they're basically willing to wait it out with Simmons until the offseason where something might become available, potentially. And this, it irks me. And part of the reason it does is the historical context of Philly, okay? This is the result of the process. And I'm sure everybody listening to this knows what the process is. You're talking about tanking for half a decade to get a series of high draft picks, including, or that turned into, um, Julio Locafor, Jeremy Grant, Markel Fultz, Nerlens Noel, and Mikel Bridges now on the Phoenix Suns, right? So none of those players... What's that? And Embiid. Yeah, and Embiid being the crown jewel, the only one currently on the basketball court for this team, okay? Also, the player who is sitting out, right, who you're willing to let sit out for the entire season and not trade uh, is the reason why you let Jimmy Butler go, who then left your team and brought the Miami Heat to the finals on his back. (sighs) Now, I look at what Embiid is doing, and I think about what happened with the Raptors. How there was this short window that Messiah Jiri took advantage of, and how things had to break right. But ultimately, that's sports, right? You got to be good to be lucky, and you got to put yourself in a position to be successful. And I can't wrap my head around why you don't make a move. I know they're 31 and 19, they're fucking second place in the East. So it sounds ridiculous that I'm even saying this. But does anybody really believe that they're going to beat Milwaukee or Brooklyn or Miami or even Chicago with only one top-tier player? So maybe you could help me sort this out because it's grinding my gears. I want to ask you, are you more mad at Maury or are you more mad at Simmons? Um, You know... I wouldn't say I'm I'm mad at anyone as much as I'm just flabbergasted by years of of wasting a fan's money. Like you're willing to throw. So in the case of Maury, you're willing to throw away a season. You don't know what's going to happen next year. You look at the league right now. Things seem pretty wide open. Right. So. You know, I, I obviously what Simmons did is strange to me. I think that his whole thing with Clutch is a bit ridiculous. Um, but that's the league that we're in right now. And I don't blame Maury for taking a, a, a hard stance on it and not trading him at a whim, right? But you figure by the trade deadline, something has to be done. And maybe something will get done. But if what I'm hearing is correct, there's something like he's he's willing to sit this guy for the entire season. Yeah, Why? I I'm I, honestly I, I was torn because at first, look, I, I'm I'm against Ben Simmons in most of this because I feel like he's played it wrong. I feel like he's doing nothing right now to help himself. Even like I think recently it came out that he was upset at how Embiid criticized him 
for his playoff run last year, whereas Ben Simmons didn't criticize him the year before when he got knocked out by the Raptors. Um, okay. He's done nothing. It seems like Ben Simmons doesn't want to play in Philly himself, right? And that puts Maury in a tricky position in the sense that, you know, you don't want to get fleeced in a trade. You don't want to get nothing back. Um, you, you want to make sure you get something back for him. And Maury also has this infatuation with, with a super duper star, I'll call it, either Harden or Dame Lillard that he seems, you know, very, very focused on getting. So I think this year, the success of Philadelphia has kind of put everything in a good place for him in the sense that he doesn't have, if they look if they were tanking right or not tanking if they were a 500 team if they were where atlanta was right now there'd be way 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 more urgency more for them to do some yeah 100 percent. okay but i but, but i almost see it the other way now that your team is this good without uh all nba type talent okay how good would your team be if you traded that guy for comparable assets even if it's not like a super duper star you know there are many you know there's lots of different you know my dad would say there's lots of different ways to the well right like like there's different models of winning championships it doesn't all have to be like a big three miami heat type thing right you saw what happened with uh, with the raptors right there was a clear you know alpha dog a culture that was set in place and some good supportive um you know co-stars Right. What yep. if you could what if you could get like a like a, a, a B list star player or a couple B list star players to to play beside Embiid at the level that he's playing at? Like like the, the Orlando Magic got to the finals. Uh, I forget when uh, I think in, in 2010 with a with a Dwight Howard playing out of his mind, just surrounding him with shooters Embiid's better than that. Right. And he probably has uh, and you could put even more talent around him. Yeah, and it, it all comes down to, like, Maury has this well-known 5% rule, right? His philosophy of if you're in the top 5% or you have 5% chance of winning the title, you kind of go all in and do it. You're right. If anything, Embiid, the way he's playing, and also Tyrese Maxey has turned it, you know, he's turned it on. He's, he's shown that he is good enough. Yeah. I, I think, honestly, Maury's just trying to feel out what kind of piece he wants to get back. Because, I don't know. It seems more and more every day that a superstar like that is not going to come. Like the Aaron Fox was like the closest thing they had. And that all fell through because Sacramento was like, no, your asking price is still too high. So and he's not, and he's not to your point, a player, like he's not a superstar. You, you could say he's like a all-star level player on a good team, but he's, he's not someone that would drastically move the needle. Like say, a James Harden would be, in his opinion, uh, because the rumors are right that you know K Kendrick Perkins was on all the smoke, and he and he said it right. And I know it's just one guy saying it, but there's lots. This is usually in the NBA. There's gossip. There's when there's smoke, there's fire. You know the that apparently Harden wants to go to Philly next year, and maybe if you're Maury, that means that the smartest thing to do is just to hang tight and arrange a type of sign and trade. Look, put it this way. If they get to the, you know, if they take it to seven games and lose to the Miami Heat in the, either the second round of the conference finals, however, Embiid wins the MVP. Do you think Embiid will look at this year as a lost year? I don't know. Mm. Like, yeah, my, fans my only and look, with any other team, I think that this wouldn't, 
be as big of an issue. I think the issue is like what the Philly fans have already been subjected to, right? Oh, and also, I don't know if you can trust Embiid's health from year to year, right? You see what happens with big men. Like, you know, you look at like Yao Ming, like, well, you know, all NBA center done within the span of a year, right? And with Embiid's injury history, like, you just, that's why I just think that you have this window and you don't, nothing is guaranteed, right, in the future. Like, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. What you know now is you've got a guy that can lead you to the pro like he's got the hardest thing to get already. And that's Embiid, right? Yep. Uh, now look, on the other hand, I think Embiid and James Harden would be terrifying. Um, okay. I'm also, I'm also not sure. Like when I watch James Harden now, it's either that he's dissatisfied and he's not trying or he's fallen off a little bit. I mean, yeah, I see what you mean. Like I, I specifically lat game last night, right? He just looked like he didn't give a shit. He's been, he's been like that all year. He played way different last year in, uh, in Brooklyn. And this leads me to believe that he's not happy with the way that things have gone. I don't know. Put it, like, what happens if they, win, if they win the title in Brooklyn? You think he's not going to be happy? Durant like, left after – or sorry, Kawhi left after winning a title, right? Kawhi's weird, though. And look, you know what's what? happened. These guys... If anything, that's a lesson. Look what happened to Kawhi ever since he left Toronto. <laughs> yeah, right? But – you know, for I think with Harden too, it's not his team there. It's not his team. It's Durant's team, and all this bullshit with Kyrie. If you, uh, you know, Brian Windhorst was talking about this. If you listen to the comments that Harden has made about Irving, uh, like he's all he hasn't been as supportive as Kevin Durant has. He said things like, "No, no, we need him," right? Um, yep. and, but I mean, look, or it could just be like he wants because. I think for him to be a co a real co-star as opposed to part of a big three fuels his ego. It would mean more to win in that way than to win. Like, what does it mean if you win in Brooklyn? You stacked the deck. You stacked the deck, right? So yeah, but how many years did he go through Houston without winning, right? Without with being a regular himself. season success team and doing it on his own and them trying to find pieces around him that never really worked from Westbrook to Paul to you, you go down the list, right? Like they've, they yeah, had great tried to get, He tried to be the Batman and he was looking for Robin. Yeah. Okay. And now he, but now he's come into this justice league here and he's just another superhero. So he now needs to go and find, and I can't find a right analogy here, right? Like he needs to find an equal. And I think, and he, like a younger kind of player too, that can carry more of the physical load. And I think Embiid matches that. I actually think it would be, can you imagine a pick and roll combo with those two? be terrifying it'd be terrifying you're right and and it's same with damian lillard right like it would be the same thing there too like he it would be terrifying if he were to come in there and and and, and do what he does but i still personally don't think the superstar route that daryl Morey is seeking is the way to go i think they need more of a team um tobias harris is not great he's not playing to his contract but he's still very very good tyrese Maxey is very very good they tried the double big last year with al horford and Embiid. it didn't work they were the best when they had Jimmy Butler on their team, right? Like that was a year where if it wasn't for Kawhi, ah, man, I have a hard time saying they wouldn't have won that year or at least gotten to the finals. Like they were fucking good that yep. year. Yep. And that's what they need to get back to. They don't have to get to superstar, superstar. They have to get to sort of, because even Simmons wasn't a superstar then. He had his role, right? Yeah. Jimmy Butler yeah. had their role and they were mainly defensive, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. So I think two-way players, which Harden and Dame Lillard both are not, is what they have to focus on. So, you know, may maybe it is a combination of like a, 
uh, of different assets from different teams in a big three-way, four-way trade. But I just don't like, – Daryl Morey has no pressure on him right now. They're winning. He's got okay from the, the owners that they can wait out the whole season. Until next season starts, I don't think Daryl Morey will be on the hot seat for this, really. It's more of the media looking at it like that. But internally, I don't think they're freaking out in, in Philly. I truly don't. Quick, before we go, what – give me a percentage – the likelihood that Ben Simmons gets moved by the trade deadline. 15%. <laughs> I don't want to say zero because I don't want to strap, look like an asshole if he yourself, does. Drop yourself in Philly fans. Another wasted year. How about you? Okay. What would you say? I have no fucking idea. And, and, and with that, uh, we are done for today. We wish our fearless leader, Brandon Kajioka, all the best on his recovery. Uh, and peace out, T Dot. See ya.